The Lord be with you. When I was uh, about nine years old, my mother was in jail, and it was time for her to get out of jail, but she didn't want to come out of jail. She wanted to stay there, and the reason that she didn't want to come out of jail is because I owned those um, orange properties, St. James and New York Avenue, (laughs) right before free parking. And I also own those red properties, um, Indiana and Illinois Avenue in Kentucky. And, and I think I also may have owned the yellow ones, you know, Marvin Gardens Vendor. And I had like houses, lots of houses or hotels on all of them. And um, so the reason she didn't want to come out of jail was because she landed on one of them. It's going to be a lot of trouble. Um, what were y'all thinking about my mama? Anyway. <laughs> but... Um, but she, she rolled and came out and sure enough landed on one of my properties. And, and she was trying to figure out, you know, she was mortgaging stuff and putting her money together and trying to get it, make it all work. And finally, uh, she, 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 she came up a little short. And my sister, who was still in the game, said, oh, mom, that's okay. That's close enough. And I said something like, I don't remember making you my accountant. And, um, and so we argued like we had argued most of the game. And my mother just pushed all of her stuff over to me and said, that's it. It's yours. I'm done. And she got up and left and looked as if she was almost happy to be leaving my sister and I to the game. <laughs> well, it was only a matter of time until my sister succumbed and I, she went out to me. And so I owned everything on the board. And when she went out, she got up and left, and it was just me, and I was sitting there looking out over my vast empire, and I thought, I leaned back my chair on the back two legs, and I thought, I'm going to add up the value, I'm going to get a piece of paper and add up the value of all my property, and all my houses, and hotels, I'm going to count up all my money, and I'm going to figure out my net worth. I figured it was probably a new indoor record for Monopoly. And so I was just admiring everything at the moment and enjoying it. And I never even saw her. But out of nowhere, my sister slipped around behind me, stuck the box up next to the table, and wiped everything off the board (laughs) into the box. And I yelled at her, and she said, Mom said to clear the table for supper. There, there is no higher court to go to than mom said. That was it. And so she left, and I was sitting there thinking about all that this game had lasted for hours. And I had won. And I had accumulated all that stuff. I had everything. And then my sister put it back in the box before I was finished with it. And I learned a valuable lesson about games that day. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. And I learned a valuable lesson about life that day because when it's over, it all goes back in the box. And I'm indebted to author and pastor John Ortberg for this insight because it really is an important lesson. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. 
And actually, Ortberg is not the first person to write about the lessons that we can learn about life from games. And that's what the series that we're starting this morning is. It's called Life is Not a Game. And for the next three weeks, we're going to look at some games and what can we learn from those games and apply to the way we live. Um, And this is a new thing. Actually, going all the way back to the Middle Ages, there was a manuscript that was written comparing the game of chess to life. And and this is what what the person wrote. Wherefore, play the game of life warily, for your opponent is full of subtlety. And take abundant thought over your moves, for the stake is your soul. When life is over, it all goes back in the box. And John Ortberg wasn't the first person to figure this out, uh, and neither were the folks in the Middle Ages. It actually goes all the way back um, to a parable that Jesus told. It's a very disturbing parable, actually. It's uh, found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. Let me read this parable to you. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. And then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And this is how it will be for everyone who stores up things for themselves, but who is not rich toward God. Well, I told you this uh, parable is disturbing. And if we're honest, uh, I mean, it shocks us a bit. Because, I mean, truthfully, This man did the exact thing most of us would have done were we in his shoes. I mean, he just did what we're taught to do. Uh, He was making a really good living. He had a really good year. so, So he stored up his surplus. I mean, that's what we're taught is the wise thing to do. And so he expected God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You are to be commended for your fiduciary Um, astuteness. But that's not what God said. God said, you fool. When you die tonight, who's going to get all that stuff that you've stored up? And once again, Jesus offends our sense of justice and our love of capitalism. Let's take a minute and and unpack this. I mean, what's the problem? What did the man do that was wrong? I don't think it was wrong that he had stuff, because having stuff is not a sin. Although the argument can be made that when we have more stuff than we need, it can be like a millstone around our necks. But the problem wasn't that he had stuff. The problem was that apparently stuff is all he had. That's all he had managed to, to, to put together his whole life. And now he was about to die And everything that he had invested his entire life in was about to go back in the box. And God knew he wasn't going to take this stuff with him. I mean, sometimes you hear people say, especially when a wealthy person dies, you'll hear somebody say, I wonder how much he left. 
Have you ever heard anybody say that? I wonder how much she left. Well, I know the answer to that. It's all of it. (laughs) That's how much she left because it it all goes back in the box. And contrary to what we're taught in our American consumerist culture, you can have too much stuff. And for reasons that, you know, I don't understand this, but we recognize how ridiculous it is uh, to have too much stuff until it comes to money. And then, for some reason, we, 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 we act like that's, that's not a problem. I mean, you think about it. If a man, if you walked into a man's house and he had newspapers piled up all the way to the ceiling through every room with just little passageways to get between them, you would say, this guy is a hoarder. That's too many newspapers. There's something wrong with this guy. If you walked into a woman's house and she had 35 cats, you would say, this woman's crazy. Nobody needs 35 cats. But if somebody has a few million dollars more than they need stuffed away in an offshore account somewhere, we make them a hero and put their picture on Forbes magazine. (laughs) I mean, think about it. It, It's interesting how we we do that. So um, parables, you know, are like good jokes. There's always a punchline. And the punchline to this parable is verse 21. When Jesus says, This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now the problem isn't that he has stuff. The problem was that stuff was all he had. He wasn't rich toward God. He spent his whole life acquiring stuff that he would leave behind and had not spent his life on some of the things that would go with him into eternity. That's why God said he was a fool. Because it's foolish to take this one and only life we have and use all of our energy and all of our time only on stuff that goes back in the box and not use it on stuff that will go with us into eternity. We get this one beautiful life and we can spend it just acquiring stuff or we can spend it on the things that make us rich toward God. But it's not an either or because it's, it's a balance. Um, because the truth, well, there's a certain amount of time we have to spend on acquiring stuff if we want to eat and live indoors, right? I mean, that's a part of it. But it's a matter of priority. Are we spending our lives only on the things that go back in the box? Or are we making sure we're spending part of our lives on things that last forever? It's a tragedy when someone like the man in this parable works hard his entire life and all he has to show for it is stuff, stuff that goes back in the box. The executive who works from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day will be very successful and fondly remembered by his wife's next husband. Jesus said, be rich toward God. That's the object of the game. That's the object of our lives, to be rich toward God. Now, what does it mean to be rich toward God? Being rich toward God means growing a soul that is increasingly healthy and good. 
Being rich toward God means loving and enjoying the people around you. Being rich toward God means learning about your gifts and your passions and doing good work to improve the world around you. Being rich toward God means making uh, what is temporary become the servant of that which is eternal. Being rich towards God means being generous with your stuff. Being rich towards God means savoring every roll of the dice and every trip around the board. And I believe that every one of us has the opportunity to be rich toward God. And really, it basically comes down to two things that Jesus taught us. To be rich toward God is to love God and to love each other. When it comes to loving God, we, we, you know, we often forget this incredible truth that the reason God created you is so that God could have a relationship with you. That's why you were born, so God could have a relationship with you. And, you know, we can't uh, make ourselves love God by sheer willpower, just, you know, forcing ourselves to do so. But here's how it works. We choose to start off every day by just simply asking God to be with us and to help us see God's presence in the things that happen to us during that day. We read the Bible and we learn more about God and we even begin to understand a little about how God thinks and how God acts. And then we learn to see the goodness of God in the things that happen throughout the day and in people's lives. And we reach out to other people and we do for them the things that we think God would do for them if God were in our shoes because the truth is if we are followers of Jesus, then the Holy Spirit of God is within our shoes. And so we reach out and we try to, to let those around us know they too are loved. And, and somehow as we do these things, we begin to discover God's presence in our life. And somehow we start to know God better. And the better we know God, the more we love God. And then at the end of the day, you put your head on the pillow and you think back through the whole day and all the ways that God has been present. And you give God thanks. And you go to sleep. And you get up the next day. And you do it again. And that's how we learn to love God more. And here's the thing. Because you see, your relationship with God doesn't go back in the box. Your relationship with God goes with you in, into eternity. That's something you can take with you. And loving others. I mean, loving others is hard. The downside is that sometimes you get hurt. The good side is that it's what makes life meaningful. And imagine that you... Uh, have a friend, and, and through your relationship with that friend, that friend comes to, to have a relationship with God that, that changes their life not only here but for eternity. That does not go back in the box. That goes into eternity. That relationship lasts forever because you'll be with them in heaven. That lasts forever. And, and then... I want to mention a third. I know I said two things, but since I have you here, <laughs> I want to mention one more. 
is that we work on a healthy soul. Take care of your soul. You know, we spend time taking care of our bodies, and that's good. I mean, you know, we try to eat right. We try to exercise. We go see the doctor. We, we try to do things to take care of our physical bodies, and, and that's a good thing. I think it's important for us to do those things. But, but what about your soul? How much time do you take nurturing and caring for your soul? Because, you know, one day these physical bodies will go back in the box. And some days I feel like I've got one foot in the box already. <laughs> but one day they go back in the box, but our soul will be resurrected to life eternal. So how silly is it to spend all this time working on taking care of our bodies, which, I mean, is a good thing. But if we just spend our time working on our bodies that go back in the box and don't spend any time working on our souls that go, are resurrected into eternity, that's not a very good choice. And so that's the point that Jesus is making. That only a fool, he said, would spend his or her life only on the things they're going to all one day go back in the box and not spend time on the things that last for eternity, on the things that go with us into eternity. So let me say this again. We all have to spend a certain amount of our lives on stuff. That's just the way life works. And besides, the kids need something to fight over once we're gone. But the things we do that help us know God better and follow God better, that doesn't go back in the box. The things we do that, that show other people their, God's love and God's grace and the relationships and the friendships we have, that does not go back in the box. And the things we do to make our soul healthy and, and to make our souls what, what they need to be, that does not go back in the box. Those are things that last forever. And so make sure you know the difference between what's temporal and what's eternal in your life. And make sure that you're spending a good amount of time on the things that will last for eternity. Don't spend all your time just on things that are one day going to go back in the box. Make the wise choice. Be rich toward God.